Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering, and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter, and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boendick people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest this week is Suzanne Kohlberg. Suzanne is an author, coach and speaker from Sydney, Australia and a mum of two children. Suzanne is known as the Nope Coach who helps overgivers and people pleasers learn to say no without feeling like a bitch. Suzanne is a memoirist and she wrote her first book, The Beginning is Shit, reflecting on her experience with overeating and weight loss. The lessons she learned about why she was overeating was the catalyst to drive Suzanne to help others. Suzanne's passion for helping women is fueled by her own experience of overgiving, overconsuming and overdoing just about everything. She's on a mission to not only help women set boundaries for themselves, but to also make boundaries normal. We should be saying no more often. Through her signature online program, Why Wait, Suzanne has helped hundreds of women break the cycle of putting themselves last and instead build the confidence to set boundaries. Suzanne is a certified practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming and holds a Bachelor of Medical Science she also has certificates three and four in fitness and is a certified sacred depths practitioner. Music you'll hear today is from my new age ambient music trio, Alemjo, which is myself, my sister Emma Anderson and her husband John. And apologies for the quality of my voice at the moment, I do have a bit of a sniffle. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Lovely to meet you. <laughs> it is lovely to meet you. So Mount Gambier, South Australia, is it? Yeah, right down the bottom. Um, we're about 20 minutes from the coast. So we're like south, southeast corner, really close to the Victorian nice. border. Nice. Yeah. Whereabouts are you? I'm in Kellyville, so Western Sydney, about an oh, hour out of CBD. Okay. Yeah, right. Eh? I've never been to Kellyville, so there you go. Well, it's <laughs> funny. I only moved here three years ago. My mum grew up in Sydney and then we moved to Tassie. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I have moved around quite a bit, but anyway, mum's like, Kellyville, it's like farmland. And I'm like, uh, might've been 40 years ago, <laughs> but now it's very much suburbia. <laughs> yeah. Right. And only 40 minutes from Sydney. So it's like be pretty, pretty intense sort of building sort of. It's actually build-up. awesome. It's such a lovely kind of like suburbia place. It's funny because I grew up in Tassie and then we've lived in Kingaroy. So also rural. Yeah. And when we first moved here, um because I'm not much of a driver in traffic and a friend invited me to Dremoyne I didn't think to look where it was and I was like yeah. I assumed it'd be like this but I had to end up going at the cross city tunnel and over the harbour bridge oh. and like my anxiety was like just not good 
yes. <laughs> oh, there you go. Welcome along. It's really lovely to have you. And um, I, I'd love you to just start by sharing about what it is that you that you do and what you create. Oh, I, I love this because I've never really, to be honest, considered myself creative. And it was like, yeah, but I've written a book. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I grew up in a very uh, family that was kind of against the arts. It was like, there's no money in that. And um, yeah, but I am like closet creative, I suppose. <laughs> and I really love to, to journal and I write a, a weekly newsletter, which you know, technically is supposed to be at my, about my business, but usually it's just like a, a journal entry. Yeah. Last week I wrote about um, my child's first concert in the choir. And um, I love the responses. It was like, oh, I was like, they're right there with you. And it's like, yeah, I am creative. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and all my life people have said you should write a book. So I, I eventually did and I self-published that last year. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a few others in the works, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a commitment to put a book mm. out there. But I do, yeah, I've written a newsletter every week now, Rain, Hail or Shine for five years. Oh, well done. <laughs> Thank you. It's an achievement, isn't it? It certainly yeah. is. Yeah. So you say that you sort of family were against the idea of being, you know, have, making art a career. When you were a child, were you sort of, were you doing art and creative stuff when, when you, as you were growing up? I, I wanted to. So I, it's funny, I'm an introvert and a uh, socially awkward person, but at one stage I wanted to be an actor. Yeah, right. <laughs> My, my parents were like, so few people make it. Like what's, it's, it's interesting what's modeled to you. And I'm sure they had the best of intentions, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like, if you can't do really well at something, why do it at all? Um, so yeah, not the kind of attitude that I want to inspire in my children. But anyway, I remember at one stage trying out for a play and we lived rurally and there was no bus service out to our house. And I got in and my parents were like, well, how are we going to how are you going to go to this? Because it was two weeks at the um, the Playhouse Theatre in, in Hobart. Oh, wow. Um, and anyway, a friend also got in and her mum, they had four kids. What was one more? So I just <laughs> lived with them yeah. for the two weeks that the show was on. And it was so fabulous for me because I'd always lived out in the country. So to live where there's buses and, um, you know, you can actually go to things instead of having to sit outside your parents' work after school. It was just mm. it was fabulous. And um, yeah, I loved, I loved it though, as I said, socially awkward and that not really was ever going to be a career, but I do like to dabble. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good on you. It's interesting, isn't it? Those blocks that we get from other people in our lives. And I mean, I've got a, had a, an interesting one recently with my husband regarding my work and it was the same, the words that just came out of your mouth were literally the same as it's like, well, how are we going to make that work? And it's like, well, can't we just be pleased that this is happening? You know, look at, look at the achievement level of something and then it's like the rest can work itself out later. Isn't yes. it interesting that like that's the initial response? Um, I'm always really fascinated by what's going on for that person to make them, that's the that's the first thing they say, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, there was this story I read once. It's like a parable mm-hmm. and it's about this gentleman who fishes for a living 
and this like lawyer or businessman or something comes along to him and goes, well, you could, you know, get extra boats and hire a team and, and charter and all this sort of stuff. Um, and he's like, to what end? And he's like, well, so then like, you know, you can retire and go fishing. And he's like, but that's what I'm doing now. So I think sometimes yeah. we get caught up in the hustle and bustle of, you know, how much is this going to make or how's this going to support us or whatever, but we're miserable. Mm. And the thing is we always tend to like make do not in a like sad way, but I think, yeah. you know, there's, there's a joy that we miss when we're chasing a dollar or chasing um, a, a certification or achievement of some sort. Mm. I can definitely agree with that. I feel like our capitalist society has got, so much to answer for in that respect, hasn't it? <laughs> 100%. Oh, dear. So you mentioned that you've written a book and you've got more in the works. What is the sort of, what are your books about? They're memoirs. And uh -huh. I laugh at when people say memoirs as in plural. And yep. I'm like, it's never been official, but I, I love Glennon Doyle before she was, Glenn, well, she's always been Glennon Doyle, but before she was famous, I came across mm -hmm. her with her first book, which is Carry On Warrior. And then I read Love Warrior. And then obviously I've read Untamed, but they're all kind of memoir style. Like they're all little mm. snippets of her life. And so my first book is a weight loss memoir. It's about mm -hmm. my journey with weight and body image. And the second one will be a business memoir, like from entrepreneur to entrepreneur, like the real thing, not the six months to six figures in six steps yeah. stuff, nonsense that we see yeah. everywhere. <laughs> and then the, the final, hard slog and the reality of it. <laughs> the final one I have in the works for now, though there may be more, because as I said, I've moved around a lot, so I could write about that as well. It would be a parenting one. Like my, I love um, the, the hurrah for gin and a few other people who write about like real parenting, not mm -hmm. um, the thing. And my kids actually have, I think, a bigger following than I do. The ah! number of people who are like, oh, I follow you for your son. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> so yes, uh, he's destined for the stage. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, like, and people have said to me a number of times that I should write something like funny things my kids say, because mm -hmm. I often put the little snippets on Facebook purely for me. So when the memories come up, I'm like, yeah. oh, I remember that. But then they just have kind of taken off. I think the last thing I shared of him had nearly 100 likes. So I was like, something yeah. of mine, 10 likes. Something of my son, 100. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold. Yeah, so you mentioned your son. How many um, children do you have? Well, two. You, you have two children, yeah. So Xanthi is nine. She's mm -hmm. um, a girl, I have to say, because the names are unusual. It's and a beautiful name. Thank you. Yeah. And Casimir, he is seven. Oh, that's a lovely name too. Were they I do like unusual names. I was going to say, were they inspired by like literary or anything particular? Well, 
my husband and I both wanted unusual names, mm-hmm. so not commonplace. So we like read through the baby book and, and highlighted ones and finding ones we both agreed on was the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. And Xanthi, we just liked from the baby book, but then Casimir is also, it's French, but it's also Polish. And in Poland, oh. it's spelled Casimir, oh, in France, it's spelled Casimir with a K and a Z. Uh-huh. We've spelled it with a C and an S. There's actually been like seven King Casimirs in Poland. Yeah, uh, right. But um, it was also a character in a couple of books that I'd read. So uh-huh. we um, we liked that name. And then they've both got like more traditional middle names. For if for whatever reason they didn't like their first name, they could just go by their middle name. <laughs> oh, that's cool. It's funny you say, I, I don't know how I fell upon it the other day on the net, as you do, you know, you just see these random stories. There was this lady that has changed her child's name. He's 18 months and she changed it because it didn't suit him anymore or didn't suit the child that she thought he would become so she named him um aspen because she thought he was going to be like a outdoorsy kind of child and take after his father and he's the complete opposite so they've changed his name to luke and it's like wouldn't That's you just random, let it? your child like decide i don't know just i don't know it's really weird because i don't know i don't understand it i think i'd just i don't know <laughs> Names fascinate me. It's really interesting because my, so my name, I'm the youngest of four. Mm -hmm. My name's Suzanne and my sisters all have names that start with C and I was going to be Corinne, but then my sisters were like, Oh, I know someone like that. And she's not a nice person. And every name my mum came up with one of them, because they were all significantly older than me. And in the end, she was like, that's it. If it's a boy after your father, if it's a girl after me, done. Oh, wow. Um, So I was like, I just, I don't know. I wanted a name but then I didn't want any of that nonsense of people telling me they didn't like it so I didn't tell mm-hmm. anyone neither my husband nor I did mm-hmm. and um, my daughter was not quite two when Casimir was born she knew it and mm-hmm. I can still remember my family asking her but she couldn't quite pronounce it so that she was telling them it was catch me uh. <laughs> so it was really funny <laughs> <laughs> oh that's hilarious um on names like my youngest is called Digby which is a, it's not unusual it's just not very common um and I deliberately, I didn't test that out on anyone because I thought I might get a lot of pushback from that and then I'll feel uncomfortable about it. So my husband and I sort of didn't say it, say it to anyone. But then when he was born and we said, oh, well, it's a boy, it's Digby, um, the midwife said, oh, I've got a friend with a dog called Digby. And I've just gone, oh, thanks for telling me that, you know, like, is that love- necessary? Oh, when I listened hilarious. to one of your episodes and you mentioned Digby, because one of yeah. my friends, when we were, we were pregnant, our children had the same due date. Her, uh-huh. You know how you give your baby a name? Xanthi was just Jellybean, but yeah. her son was Digby while she was pregnant. And I thought oh. that was so funny. Ended up calling him something else. Yeah, right. But, um, sometimes I still refer to him as Digby. <laughs> the other thing, the midwife, you know, he said um, a dog. Yeah. When Casimir was born and I said to the midwife, she's like, oh, cashmere, like the sweater. Oh. Oh. <laughs> But then I thought, oh, that'd be once off. But he gets it quite a bit, actually, cashmere. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. he gets embarrassed about it. I'm like, you can always correct somebody on the pronunciation. Like, that is your mm. name. As long as you do it politely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And giving the children that that empowerment to set their boundaries, I think, from a young age is incredibly important. Um, that's certainly not something I had as a child. <laughs> so I think it's great to be able to give them give them that as they're, when they're little.
On your Instagram bio, you've got there that you help women say no without feeling like a bitch. Can you expand on that for me? <laughs> you, um, you're allowed swearing on your show. I wasn't sure. Oh, I was like, yes, sometimes please it's, go for it. <laughs> sometimes in a way that feels good. So I'm yeah. like, okay, that just, you know, sounds nicer. So <laughs> it's funny you mentioned boundaries because growing up, and I'd never made this connection. This is why I love being on podcasts because the things that come up, the yeah. only boundary that was instilled in me was my name because my mother had the same name as me and stuff. I remember at school, um, this teacher always called me Susan yeah. and I always corrected her and said it was Suzanne. And one, one time she's like, well, I'm just going to call you Susan. And I'm like, well, you can, but I'm not going to answer. She called my mum, like the only time in my schooling history, because I was a bit of a teacher's pet, where my mum got called in and in she came, she had to leave work. And my mum was like, okay, what's this about? And the teacher told her, and my mum was like, I took time off work for this. Mm. That's not cheeky. That's her name. <laughs> so yeah. it felt like the only time in my life that I'd forgotten about. Like I remember, but I've forgotten until we're having this discussion. Yeah. But yeah, no, I wasn't conditioned to have boundaries. It was um, children should be seen and not heard and always mm. be respectful. And and the school motto of the school I went to was others first, yourself last. Oh, and what? it's kind of like that's, oh, that's really, a bit much. That's really <laughs> horrific. The things that you just take as a child and you don't question. Yeah, absolutely. And so basically, um, I I think that by saying yes to everybody else and no to myself is a what have led to me overeating a lot because mm-hmm. it was kind of like food doesn't talk back, food doesn't care, food's always my friend. Yeah. And um yeah, the, the less space I allowed myself to take up with my personality because I couldn't say no and I didn't want to be in imposition, the more I took up physically because it just had to have an outlet. Mm. So when I originally went into business, um, it's funny, I was an accidental entrepreneur. I basically, here she is at the beginning, I'm not creative. I started a Facebook page that was just chatting about what it is that I was doing and a yep. newsletter list that's just talking about my life. And then people were like, oh, can you work with me? And I was like, oh, okay. And then I got certified as a coach mm-hmm. and I had the most fun that first year of my business in terms of what lit me up. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, I actually should like make this profesh. And then the business coach was like, what do you niche? And what's, yeah. you know, people don't just ask to work with you. Like you have to make offers. I was like, well, that's been my entire business. Yeah. <laughs> Never made an offer. Yeah. Um. So then I, I niched into weight loss because I'd had, a big weight journey, but I must admit, I've never been passionate about weight loss because it's more about what's going on internally. Mm. Like the weight, the number, the size of the clothes, you know, yes, that is a big deal when you're struggling with it, but you can force yourself to lose weight and still be miserable and unhappy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, I recently, I'm in the process, my website's still coming of, uh, at the time of recording this anyway, of rebranding to the Nope coach and yeah. helping people say no, women say no without feeling like a bitch. Yep. Because, you know, when we say yes to others and no to ourselves, there's that that resentment, a seed of resentment. Like, and mm. I just think it's so much better to say an honest no than yeah. a resentful yes and you're baking the cookies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah. it's about how to do that in a way, you know, without feeling like a bitch and in a way that honors both of your needs, because I'd much rather if I'm like, Hey, Alison, I'm having a Tupperware party. You want to come? And you're like, Suzanne, I can't stand Tupperware, but if you have a, I don't know, I'm not really into those things, but if you have a thermomix thing and you can feed me, come on over. Like that mm. to me is so much nicer than you saying, yeah, sure. I'm going to come canceling on the day mm-hmm. when I've cleaned my house and made all the food. Yes. <laughs> 
So I think yeah. sometimes we think, and, the, and another example of it was, and I, I can still remember when I was growing up, I thought my mum liked white linen, the perfume, mm-hmm. and I saved up for it and I'd buy it for it every Mother's Day and I thought I was so amazing. Yeah. And I eventually found out she's like, I, I can't stand it. Oh, like, why didn't you tell me years yeah. ago? Like this was money and I thought, and mm-hmm. then when my kids, I've got my own kids now, and my daughter bought me something for Mother's Day. It was like a hand cream thing. And I said to her, I love this. I, thank you so much. Please don't buy me things like this again because I've got a sensitive smell. Um, mm-hmm. th- there's some things that I like to buy on my own. And I remember my mom like raking me over the coals and saying how horrible it was. And I said, no, mm. horrible is accepting something for two decades <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then telling me you didn't like it. <laughs> it's that fear of offending people, isn't it? It's like yes. we've, we've got to hold this. This is something that's become really evident when we're recording this. The Queen passed away in the last few days and I feel like it's brought up all this stuff about doing the right thing and be seen to be doing the right thing so everybody thinks you're good and, oh, I don't know, just this that English stiff upper lip sort of behaviour that, you know, keep calm and carry on. It's like, no, you can actually be honest with people. It might be a little bit uncomfortable um, when you first say, actually, sorry, I don't want to go out for tea with you because um, I haven't seen you in 10 years and I don't really feel comfortable reconnecting in that way. Everyone goes, oh, but it's like, well, that avoids uncomfortableness for everybody in the future. You know, if someone yes. just goes, yeah, sure, I'll come out for tea. And then next time they say, oh, let's all catch up next month. And it becomes this great big thing. And you're going, I don't want to see these people. I've moved on. I've grown or whatever it might be, any situation. Yeah. That's what yes. it is, isn't it? <laughs> I love the Brene Brown, her quote, choose discomfort over resentment. Mm. So it's uncomfortable to say in the moment, no, or no, thank you, or um, not right now. But then there's the, you know, the resentment where you get stuck. Because the thing is, so, like say the movies too, if you're like, do you want to go see this? It's like, actually, I don't like horror or I don't like mm. whatever it is. But if it was something else, because then it's really clear. And mm-hmm. another thing Brene Brown says is clear is kind. Yeah. So I would much rather like, you know, and I think it, it also too, the thing with, you know, um, saying no without feeling like a bitch, a lot of us are overgivers, like we mm-hmm. give and give and give to others and, but we're unable to receive. And mm-hmm. I think that's why we overconsume, overeat, overstay up late, overwatch Netflix. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, when we can actually say no and not overgive to others, then we can start giving to ourselves. And instead of having passion projects littering every available space in our house that we don't actually make time to do we can do the things that we want to do rather than you know doing the things that we are expected of us because also too sometimes say i said to you hey you want to go and see a movie and you're like actually no i couldn't think of anything worse i honestly would not be offended i'd rather that so i was talking to a client recently and sometimes it just takes someone to point it out to you she went to a friend's house her best friend had just bought a coffee maker Mm-hmm. They can't have been best friends because their best friend would know. But anyway, I digress. She's like, do you want a, a, a coffee or whatever? My client doesn't drink coffee and she yeah. didn't want to offend her. So she said, oh, so she sure. And then she's trying to drink it. And she goes, Suze, I couldn't. I couldn't drink. It was that bad. Mm, yeah. And the person said, oh, what's wrong? And then she admitted, I don't actually drink coffee. And she's like, why didn't you say I could have made you a hot chocolate? Mm, so like when I yeah. go anywhere and people say, hey, do you want to drink? I used to in the past always say no because we're conditioned. Don't take anything. Don't ask for anything or whatever. Uh I say, what have you got? Like, what's on offer? Because the thing is, I don't want to be demanding and say like, if I you know, I only drink hot chocolate. Well, I don't have any. Mm. So, but what do you have? (laughs) Yeah, open it up. Um, I uh, don't eat meat, and I used to get really nervous and uncomfortable at restaurants. 
um, asking if thing, what was in particular things. And I got over that pretty quickly because I, once I had an experience where I'd asked what was in a particular source or a, oh, I can't think what it was. Oh, it was at a Thai restaurant and it was in some sort of like a soup, like a broth. And I didn't ask. And as I was eating it, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this has got like fish in it or whatever. And I thought, right, this is this is a lesson to you, Alison, that you need to actually open your mouth and say it. So now I don't care. I just, I say, I shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> and if there's nothing else, I say, I'll just eat a plate of vegetables. You can steam me some vegetables and that'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> but being scared to actually honour yourself. Like as a kid, when I grew up, I was so afraid to even, you know, I'd be at the back of a line waiting in a shop and I'd get to the front of a line and I'd be so nervous to even just ask for what I wanted. Like just, and I've got my dad, he, I'm pretty sure I got it from my dad. Um, he would walk backwards and forwards past this little deli in this small town where he lived, waiting for them to notice him so they'd let him in because he was too nervous to go in by himself. So it's like we've all got these little <laughs> things yes. that we're carrying around and it's great that, you know, you're offering women the opportunity to do the work to move past that and then perhaps not pass that on to the next generation so we're breaking those, those habits that have continuously come down. I think that's really been important. what's the most important thing for me, not passing mm -hmm. my habits on to my children because children learn through modelling, mm -hmm. not what we tell them. Oh, so yeah. by me yeah. modelling, having really clear boundaries and me modelling, asking for things and then also dealing with the disappointment because just because you ask for something doesn't mean it's going to be a yes. Mm, so yeah. it's funny with both my kids and my clients, I'm like, you guys can ask me for whatever you want. Don't expect a yes though. Like mm. we can negotiate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's really powerful, isn't it? So in your experience then, what was it, how did that sort of play out for you personally then through it, through, or how did it start for you to sort of realise that your behaviours um, were connected to the way that you were eating, the way you were using food? How did that sort of spark for you? It, it, it well, they say hindsight, life's lived forward, but understood backward. <laughs> so I'd been a lifelong dieter. My parents put me on my first diet when I was four. Oh, um, that's spoken about in the book. <laughs> wow. You have to send me your address later, Alison. I'll post you a copy oh, if you thank want you. one. I'd, I'd love um, one, yeah. And so I knew how to diet and I knew how to lose weight. And I'd lost and gained in excess of 500 kilograms in my life. Oh, like I'm, I, um, I'm good at it. Mm -hmm. But I was like, there must be something else going on here. Like I'm a fairly smart person. Um, like what, what else is beyond... Because the thing is, so many of us know what to do. Eat mm. less, move more. It's not that hard. But we just don't do it. Like, why do we eat when we're not hungry? What are we really hungry for? And if 
true physical body hunger hunger isn't the issue food's not going to solve it Mm. yet we we go like most of us are really good all day and then at night especially once you have kids and the kids go to bed Mm. (laughs) start going to town or for me now my tell is when I buy something for the kids it's Mm -hmm. like yeah that's totally for you (laughs) Um, but it's kind of like when we don't do anything for ourselves. So like we make the plans. So we've got a fridge full of vegetables that are wilting while we buy cheap and cheerful because it's just easier to keep the peace. Mm. Or we've got the gym membership, but we know the kids don't want to go in the crash or they're going to cry. So we like just don't go. Um, and, and, I, and I believe like giving and receiving are like inhaling and exhaling. They're paired. You can't have one without the other. So overgiving, saying yes to your kids, the school, your parents, your neighbor, your husband, your friends. Mm, the list goes on. <laughs> is paired with overconsuming. So, mm-hmm. so many people think I've just got no willpower or I can't control myself or whatever. And it's like, it's because you say no to yourself all day, every day, mm. that in the evening, it just levels out and the body's just like, nope of this and then we that that then leads into this big shame spiral Uh so it's really how many of us do have passion projects and i love you know creativity is one of them art or things that we've been conditioned as well because you can't make a career of it why bother or because someone else is better than yours like um i i have my two children they're only two years apart but my my son's still at the age where whatever he draws he thinks is the best thing ever <laughs> and my daughter's reached that critical age where she's like but hers is looking better or the you know that kind of thing mm, and and yeah. we still have the part of us inside that wants to draw a purple horse with four heads and glitter and <laughs> yeah that's it isn't it but we don't indulge that because we don't have time yep but then we have time to stay up to 2 a.m. binge watching shows and eating. Mm. So, so often when I say to people like the secret, not so secret is to actually indulge those passions. Mm. And they're like, well, I don't have time or money or space or this or that or the other. And it's like, but you've got four hours to, you know, scroll Facebook and watch cat videos and doom scroll. Mm. It's like, yeah, you do have the time. You're just not purposing it in a way. And it's not going to be like a switch. Like you can understand oh, intellectually yeah. Yeah. But it's like actually making that time in small pockets during the day. Like it was funny this morning, I was in a funk and I was like, I just want to eat chocolate, like nothing mm-hmm. else. It's like, what do I really, I went sat in the sun. I just need yeah. five minutes to breathe. I'm like, my husband can take the kids <sighs> and I come mm. back in and I'm ready to go. But mm. normally we wouldn't allow ourselves that. And I think the other reason eating is so easy is because we don't have to read or create or sculpt or paint, but we've got to eat. So we tend to not have as much guilt associated with that because girls mm, eat. We do. We, do. <laughs> we need to survive. So once you you developed this understanding of how your behaviours, your thoughts were affecting the way you were eating, um, you talk about little changes. Over what sort of time frame were you able to sort of implement this? Like I've got this 
I, I hate these, you know, six-week gym, you know, come and lose so many kilos and whatever. Like I just test them. I was involved in the, the fitness industry for many years as an instructor and then I took a break and then came back and instructed in a different way, which I loved. But I'm very... Um, very aware of the way that certain industries will latch onto people's insecurities and will make them think that if you go hard for this short period of time, sure, you you might like lose a few kilos and you'll feel really empowered and amazing, but then you can't sustain this. You cannot go to the gym twice a day for the rest of your life. And exactly. it's not, it's not good for you. It's not good for your family, your relationships, anything around you. So was that sort of on your mind too, that it wasn't going to be a quick fix? It was something you would implement in your life and sort of see how it changed over a period of time? A hundred percent. Someone mm-hmm. who read my book recently and, and sent me a message was like, the part I loved, whereas you're like, I'd rather be fat forever <laughs> than keep doing this to myself. Yes. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's hilarious because now I have a program, not targeted at weight loss it's over consuming in whatever way we do it because Mm -hmm. anyway I digress but originally I opened it as a membership for the very reason that you just touched because six week eight week challenges like I was already dreaming about the Macca's binge I was going to have at the end Mm -hmm. and how you lose the weight is how you'll keep it off and none of these things are sustainable and they profit and benefit from the fact that you praise them like this thing is the best thing ever when I'm on it I lose weight Mm -hmm. and then you self blame yourself i'm the fat lazy fuck who can't keep doing it (laughs) yeah yeah so that's what they profit from and i never wanted my business being that way yeah but what i found interestingly about having a membership rather than a program is people would get to a point where it was time for them to move on like they had spent (laughs) enough time they kind of just slunk out like there was guilt or whatever i'm like no let's celebrate (laughs) (laughs) and i was like you know and also too sometimes what should have been a um graduation became a divorce when people stayed too long Mm -hmm. so i actually readjusted my business and now it is a 10-week program i just delivered the last call of the of the current round today with a difference in that in the last week, we celebrate, we harvest, like what have we done over these last 10 weeks? And what I love it, because every time I run it, we get to that point and there's the people who are always like cringing or shuddering or feeling so guilty because I thought I was going to. And I'm like, no, let's nip that go hard or go home stuff in the bud. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I believe it's like, you know, when you're a kid, you play that game, warmer and colder, someone oh, yeah. hides something yeah. and you go warmer, warmer, hot, hot. Well, yeah. if you are used to doing these challenge type things where it's all or nothing and you get to the end and you're like, I didn't go hard. Mm. It's like colder, 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 freezing. Like you're telling the universe, like, what's the point? And then you're saying to yourself, I'm just going to binge on everything and then mm-hmm. get so sick of myself. I start again. Like that's yeah. not good. Whereas if you get to the end of the 10 weeks and you're like, okay, you know, I, I listened to two of the 10 modules was eight modules. I, I, I turned up to a call. I did one action mm-hmm. and it's like warmer, 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 warmer. And that gives us the momentum. So like you asked and I got on a whole tangent, but <laughs> releasing the weight took me three years. Yeah. right. So sometimes yeah. people will be like, oh, that's so long. But when you're there, mm. it's like, it doesn't matter. The time's gone anyway. And it stayed off. Like I'm a little bit heavier right now. I'll be honest. COVID hasn't been the kindest. I don't weigh anymore because I don't want an inanimate object telling me what I should think about myself. But anyway, I tell in my clothes, but it's kind of like, it's, you're only ever here now. Whereas when you force yourself to eat 
miso soup and shakes and go to the gym four hours a day yeah you're going to shed a lot of weight but really it's water and muscle as well anyway mm. but as soon as you actually eat again and come it's all going to come back and that's no way to live that's on or off so yeah that's it yeah, yeah this all or nothing approach yeah no I love that and it's not and when you're talking about you know your the content that you're presenting to people I'm guessing this isn't, uh, you know, go for a run or do some squats, whatever. This is all what's going on in your mind and working on yourself. I don't actually give them a prescription as in here's what you do. Mm -hmm. I help them uncover what it is for them. Because I like that saying, the same water that softens a potato hardens an egg. Mm -hmm. So whenever you do a program, there'll be some people who get great results and other people who get nothing. And then someone will be like, well, you didn't cheat it or you didn't try hard enough or you did this. No, your body is just not the same as their body. Mm-hmm. So it's about finding like the habits and the things that you want to cultivate that work for you. Like one of the people in my current round is a writer, like a professional writer who publishes books. It's like, well, I am too. But <laughs> I've done one. I count myself as a writer forevermore because I've done one. Yeah, she's so a traditionally published body of work type person. Yeah. And the penny habit that we're working on for her is just writing for um because the thing is you sit down and you go oh i'm going to write for an hour and then oh half an hour and then oh i'll do it tomorrow mm-hmm. so it literally she has to open her thing and write the date mm-hmm. and then from there we can keep it going because what we tend to do is we like set our goal exercise writing meditating whatever like 45 minutes or nothing and mm-hmm. then six out of seven days of the week we end up with nothing yeah, Whereas if you yeah. made it really, really small, like write the date or for my walking one, it's go to my mailbox, which is 12 steps from my house. Um, you usually keep going because you've got your shoes yeah. on, you've got into the rhythm. So yeah. the, what we, the work we do in the program isn't like a secret thing. It's, you know, mm-hmm. cultivating these habits that we do consistently and persistently and looking at our resistances because we've all mm-hmm. joined something. This is going to be the thing. Yeah. And then two weeks yeah. later, you're like, oh, no, next thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I guess that the importance that you're talking about is you make it, you tailor it to your own life. It's not like you're getting these rules shoved at you. You have to do this. You have to do this. And then it's like, oh, it just becomes overwhelming. It's like you look at yourself, you look at your life and where those changes and adjustments can be made. And that's really important, Yeah, because everyone's different too. Yeah. Like we have different numbers of kids. We have different jobs. We live in different locations of the world. Because the thing mm-hmm. is, my pet peeve for The Biggest Loser, like I was always obsessed mm-hmm. with going on the show because I thought that would change my life. Yeah. Why do they, well, not all, but almost all of them gain weight when they go home? Like yeah. what is with that? It's yeah. because when you go into a show or in my book I wrote about when I went to fat camp, it was a health retreat, but I called it fat camp. Uh-huh. <laughs> While you're there, you've got no other responsibilities. You don't have mm-hmm. to work. You don't have to shop. You don't have family. You don't have drama. You don't have internet. You don't have anything. You're just yeah. there to focus purely on you. Yeah. And then you have this wonderful time and you go home and you're like, I'm going to keep this up. Mm. And then you've got real life. Yeah. So that's the other thing about the program that I run, like every round, there'll be people who are disappointed, it always pulls on my heartstrings, mm. but we have life, stuff goes on. And I've called my program, why wait? Because what are we waiting for? There's never going to be the perfect time. Oh, There's yeah. people who yeah. get sick, p- kids who get unwell, you know, some people ho- away from home for the first time. This round, we had somebody moving out and there's an empty nest and all this stuff. Mm. That's life, but not yeah. as in like, let's just wait, but as in like, this, we are a cog in this and how can we make these things that become part of our life rather than putting our life on hold to fix ourselves we're not broken mm. but mm, yeah. <laughs> yes yeah no that's really valid I think that's that's something that um I spoke about on a podcast I was a guest on it last week about we've all got this idea that oh when this happens we'll be happier or I have to wait for this to happen and then I can do that and then I'll be happier it's like 
there is no perfect time. It's literally life is just rolling and it just keeps going. And there's always going to be something like you say, the kids get sick and throws things out the window and whatever. It's, there's always something happening. Um, yes. And I guess that's the thing you touched on earlier about that horrible motto of your primary school about, you know, putting yourself last. Like as a mother, I feel like we're conditioned to do that. It's like everybody else has to be happy before us and our needs come last. And I, I, I hate that so much. <laughs> and, I, and I find that talking to um, women on this podcast, it's, it's imperative and, and important and almost um, essential that they do put themselves first um, and think of themselves as worthy of, of their commitment and their time and with their art practice, you know. But I feel like women who feel like they don't have that something that passion project or that whatever can sort of get lost then about, well, how do I put myself first? What, what does that look like for me? growing up my mum never had friends she mm -hmm. never had hobbies like I don't want to say she was just a mum that sounds horrible mm -hmm. but like I remember looking at her and I was thinking I don't want to become a mum like honestly mm -hmm. I, if this what it, if this what it means to be a mum like, yeah. your life kind of ends you don't have anything and it was interesting I met my husband when I was 18 and um we when we got married when I was I think 22 and we were never sure on the kids thing I could be really honest like I love my kids and everything but we weren't sure and then we decided we'll wait till I was 28 mm -hmm. and then we would decide so we had you know by the time I was 28 10 years together and then we were like yeah okay we'll have kids <laughs> anything. got pregnant the first month I had a very lucky journey in that respect yeah. but it was kind of like I remember when we got the positive pregnancy test he was over the moon and I was just sitting there kind of like whoa because I didn't think you know he's like this is what we wanted and I was like yes but like there was a, a little bit of mourning there oh yeah. and yep. and then I was like I don't have to be the mum that my mum was mm. and um yeah like I have friends I have hobbies I have a business and I model really good boundaries to my children. And some people mm. think that I'm too harsh or this or that or the other, but then other people are like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, because I, I don't stand for anything else. <laughs> so, mm. yeah. Um, yeah. But also too, encouraging them that their needs and their things are important and that we all have time. So we have different games that different ones of us like to play. And we have a little chart on the fridge and we take turns about who gets to choose mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing, rather than it's just kind of like, I remember the um, the Goldilocks story and Mummy Mama Bear's porridge was always cold. Mm. And I had a story yeah. about that with my son recently because I always say to my kids, I like porridge. I make it for breakfast. takes 12 yeah. minutes. Before I have it, do you want anything? No, I want it later today. And I'm like, you do realise mummy's making hers. Yeah, that's fine. And the other day he was like, well, Mummy Bear eats cold porridge. And I'm like, yeah, I ain't Mummy Bear. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so, damn straight. <laughs> you know, it's like you had the thing. You yeah. can wait. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like, it's just learning. And in life, we don't always get our way. 
Mm-hmm. And yet we say to our kids, they're first, but then suddenly when you have your own kids, you've now got to go from first to last. It's mm. really, it's kind of like a, a, an identity shift. And even with choosing TV shows, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I live away from my family, my husband and I interstate. Um, so we don't have, we see them that often, mm-hmm. but I don't really like kids' movies. It was funny. I was on a podcast recently. Somebody was asking me about Bluey because I'm Australian and I had to admit yep. that that's the show my husband watches with the kids. Oh. But anyway, <laughs> I, hired, I hired a babysitter to take my kids to the movies. And other yep. some people were like, that's the best idea ever because I'm an introvert. <laughs> I don't want to go out. I don't yep. want to hire a babysitter and go out. I want them to take them. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't have to see the kids' movies and I could stay at home. Like that was like just mm. groundbreaking for me. The kids get what they want. Yeah. I get what I want and we're yep. all winning. My husband and I went to um, Phantom of the Opera in the Sydney oh, Opera House awesome. and my kids went to see whatever the latest 3D pet movie or I don't know, some super pets or something oh, with the babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. So like everybody was happy. Oh. <laughs> I love that. It's almost like it's normalising doing things differently. It's breaking yes. down that what we think we're supposed to do because that's what has always been done. I love all these posts at the moment. People are like, normalise naps, you know, having a nap in the middle of the day, you know, normalise something. Like, it's just like, why, why are we pretending that life has to be perfect? You're listening to The Art of Being a Mum with my mum, Alison Newman. You know, when you're talking about your porridge and, the, you know, the kids having to wait, there is nothing wrong with your kids having to wait. Like, oh, I have this thing that, that we've got that, you know, the kids want something so we all have to drop everything and go do it for them. And the same with this, the games. Like, my little one always wants to play the same board games and like I don't mind it so much because I enjoy some of them but my husband's like I don't want to play this game you know it's like well let's say to him we don't want to play this let's pick something else you know they don't always have to come first yes and I think that's the thing that it's been conditioned from previous generation Mm -hmm. that the kids come first and we protect them Mm -hmm. but then it's actually not teaching them the skills they're going to need when they're older and that your parents are are people too and they have their own wants and needs and passions and interests that might not necessarily align with yours. And it's just, yeah, it's modeling good boundary setting and um, the the family is a cohesive unit. Mm. So we're going on a holiday for Christmas and, you know, we each get to decide for a day what we want to do um, rather than just doing stuff for the kids because, you know. Yes. No. (laughs) Because then it's like you're not even on holiday. You're just taking your children on holiday. Yeah, you know I think I mean, that's, that's the thing too. Like so many times, you you there's there's a difference between n- never doing anything for being. I think so many of us are so fearful of being self centered or self focused or selfish, mm-hmm. and that actually you know self care and self first isn't bubble baths and this sort of stuff. Oh, it's yeah. doing the daily things that yeah. we don't want to do, but then you know modeling that you know we we all get we all have to do things like my kids now with their chores. It's so funny. Some days they're like, I just don't want to do this. I'm like, do you think I want to work or cook yes. or whatever? Like left yeah. to my own devices. Yeah. I'd sit in the backyard in the sun or play with paint or whatever. But you know, so there is life is, you know, 50, 50 or, or whatever balance it is. Yeah. You know, if we all do it, 
we all fold the washing or whatever, then we can go and play a game. But if it's left to mum, yeah. then you know. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. My um my little one woke up the other day. Oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to go to school. I said, mate, I'm tired. I don't want to go to work, but you know, this is what we do. It's life, you know. Um, that example of the holiday, we were we went to Queensland recently and we we did the same thing. We all wrote down a list of all the things we wanted to do. And some of the things were aligned, so that was fine those days, sort of suited a few people. But I desperately wanted to go whale watching and I was going to do that no matter if no one came with me or everyone came with me, I didn't care. But in the end, we all booked a ticket. And unfortunately, my eldest son was too unwell to go. So my husband stayed with him. So I took the little tacker. And he was good for a while until he just decided, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. And I'm like, well, we're in a boat in the middle of the ocean. What, where would you like to go sort of thing? And I was getting pretty impatient because this was my thing. I was like pumped to see these whales. And we'd already seen a few whales. So I think he was like over the whole thing. And he wanted to sit inside. And I said, if we sit inside, we won't see them. And I said to him, I have waited to see these whales. I'm going to go and stand out there. And it was just, I mean, I could see him. I'm just going to stand out there and I'm going to look at these whales. And he huffed and puffed and he said, well, I'm going inside. So I stood out there and took photos of the whales and he went inside and he told this lady, this old lady that we'd never met, mum and I are having a disagreement. <laughs> and he went and sat down with this lady. And I came back, probably, I gave it five minutes. I thought I probably shouldn't leave him too long. But damn it, I was seeing my whales. And I thought, we well, can't go anywhere. I'm not going to lose him. So uh, I went back in and the lady said, oh, you've got such a lovely voice. Come over and tell me that you're having a disagreement. <laughs> Thanks, Digby, for sharing. But I was like, there was, no, that, that was not the time for you to get your own way, Digby. This was my thing, you know. I was yes. not le letting that go. <laughs> yes. And I think sometimes too, you know, when we do give in and, you know, put everyone else's needs first, it's another reason that we end up overeating or over shopping or over whatever, mm. because that part of us that, you know, wants, damn it, I want to get my way, does in a way that's not nourishing for anyone. Mm. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But yeah, it's good oh, for you. I think that's the best thing ever. I think oh. of a few times my kids have, but I love it, like on a boat. Yeah, you're kind of oh. like, you're stuck here. <laughs> oh, that, honestly, it went through my mind. I thought, am I being a bad mother because I'm letting my kid wander around on a boat? And I it, honestly, it all flashed. I thought, someone's going to think I'm bad because I've left my kid on my own. I thought, no, damn it. He's fine. He's absolutely fine. I can see him. He's safe. I mean, I couldn't see him when I was looking at the whales, but I thought, what's the worst that could happen? And, you know, he's not going to jump off the boat. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the thing too. It's our own inner talk, our own guilt. Because mm -hmm. yeah, some people might've thought you're a bad mother and some people would have thought, look at that. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in the end of it, I thought, damn it, I've come this far. <laughs> Now, I'm glad you brought up guilt because that is a big topic that I love to talk about, this whole mum guilt concept. Um, what are your thoughts about that? 
they it varies significantly Mm because i think it's something that we can't escape we all have but it's just like for me you know when it happens it's interesting so like you can say something to your kid and be like i shouldn't have said that and apologize like so i'm all for apologizing when i'm wrong not as a way like whatever but like you know i I shouldn't have said that Mm -hmm. um I, i feel bad and then the kids can move on their merry way and skipping and happy and and it's I'm the one. So what's that saying that um, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Mm-hmm. So the pain of like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like, you know, but then the suffering and the stuff that we tell ourselves. So mm-hmm. I can think of examples of like where my son has has hurt himself, like he's fallen over or whatever. It happens. But then I'm like, well, I should have been watching him or I shouldn't have the room arranged like that or like all this yeah, stuff that, goes through your mind. that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. And then if I want to go to the other extreme, and I know I'm not the only one who does this, I can't believe I'm going to share this, but anyway, it's kind of like, well, if I really was, I'm not a bad mother because at least I'm like not burning them with cigarette butts or something. I'm not mm. saying that, but like it's sometimes it's kind of like, yeah. if you really were a bad mother, would you be questioning, am I a bad mother? Like, yeah, it's, exactly. I think, yeah. You know, we're all doing the best we can with what we have. And there are moments where we yell or um, say something that we later, like, makes us cringe. Like, you know, I open my mouth and my own mother comes out. <laughs> you know, and you're like, I'm never going to do this. And then you do it and you're like, oh. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of like it's, yeah, it's all the skills we want them to learn, humility, um, you know, apologizing, being honest, sharing our feelings and not putting our stuff onto our kids, yeah, but yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like, you know, so it's interesting. I, I'm very uh, strict in some people's rules mm-hmm. when, when I go out with my children and I have a one warning policy mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hold it. Yep. So we've literally gone out to dinner before ordered and left even though i've paid like because the restaurant's not missing out and the kids think that they can get away with it because i've already paid i'm like no we will leave we've left the cinema before and it's like i'm disappointed too i wanted to watch this but Mm. i would rather like take it to 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 learn this and anyway some days i'm just like i've got nothing so Mm. i'll be like this is a no warning kind of day yes Yes. we can go to the park or yes we can do this but everything is going to go swimmingly or we will go home as soon as you poke, prod, breathe each other's air. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like I, I, and it's just being you know honest with where I'm at, and also upholding that because I yeah. think I know my sister. She never. She's like I don't understand why my kids are so good because her kids are. Well, it's funny. She was just here this morning. Her kids are now, um, in their twenties, and because mm-hmm. our age gap. But anyway when I said, oh, if you clean your room, we can go to the movies or whatever. If they didn't clean their room, we wouldn't go. Mm, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. as a, as my own parent now, my own children, it's like making sure I choose the, not punishment, but the consequence yeah, yeah, that's not going to be yeah. of detriment to me. Because I mm-hmm. remember a few weeks back, I was like, okay, no electronics for a week. And I was like, this was not a great idea. Because now, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, picking uh, something that but also to something because like if i sent my daughter to her room she'd love it yes. she's just like me yeah. whereas my son that's a punishment he's like yeah. no he needs to be around people so yeah. it's kind of like yes it's going to happen yes we learn from it and whatever we need to like break that pattern so for me for me it's the cigarette butt story it's not my finest moment but it's just it's just enough of ridiculousness for me to go yeah. of course yeah right? exactly. and come out of it that and spiral the- yeah, and like I said, the mere fact that you if, that we are questioning if we're good enough, that's telling us that we're good enough, you know, because we care, because we're aware of stuff. Um, 
Oh, I've done it again. I just have all these thoughts and I write them down, then it's gone. Oh, or or damn it. you can't understand your own. The other thing I was going to say that helps me with mum guilt or any yes. sort of guilt or times oh, that I feel is. not enough yep. um, is I have a folder on my phone. It's called Nice Things People Say. Oh. And whenever I get an email or a text or a comment or whatever, I screenshot it and mm-hmm. I go and save it to that album. And when I'm having those things where I'm like, I'm the worst person in the world and everyone hates me because we all have that, yeah. I read back over it. I'm like, I'm awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I'm getting really used to um, the fact that mothering is not right or wrong, black or white, yes or no. There's this this grey area. It's literally an entire grey area and this like level of ambivalence of, yes, you can have a bad day and, and yell at your kids because they misbehaved, but you can also love them so much you would, you know, throw yourself in front of a moving car for them. Like that, and I, I think... Some people, depending whether you're, you know, left brain or right brain, how you, your brain works, need to have a yes or no. They need to have a straight answer. They need to know, was this right or wrong? And this whole motherhood conundrum just yes. throws that completely out the window. So then I think for some people it can be confusing if you are, and I'm putting this in air quotes, doing it right from your own perspective because there are so many grey areas. You know. well, for me, there's something, another thing I think is I always love my children without mm. a doubt, but I don't mm. always like them. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. it's yep. like, you know, I, I, when something happens, like I love you fiercely, I don't like this. Mm. So it's, it's separating, like the love is always there, as you said, mm. jump in front of a bus or take on a, um, <laughs> as I say, intruder or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, yet you're not drawing on my walls. I don't care how pretty it is. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's that's a good one, actually, because um, my background's in early childhood education and something that I learned straight away when I started working at this particular centre um, about nine years ago was that um, we wouldn't use terms like you're a good boy or, uh, you know, um, you're being bad or whatever because it's the behaviour that you're not yes, happy with. not the person. Know? Yeah, and I've been really, um, really what's the word focused or it's important to me that I talk to my kids like that in terms of their friendships because there's a whole thing of kids of a certain age I'm not your best friend I don't like you you're not my best friend you're not coming to my birthday party all this sort of behavior yeah and it's like yes you you were frustrated with your mate because because he kicked your ball on the roof but that doesn't mean that you're not friends you know just breaking things down separating a actual person to the behavior that you don't like or you know, I think that's really important to set up because that's not something I grew up with. Not so at all. So changing that, that whole and I think it's way the way we speak it. to ourselves too. And, yeah. um, it's, you know, because the thing is you can't be what you don't see. So mm, it's like yep. modelling it for you, for your children. So my son, um, he sees a psychologist. He has um, autism mm-hmm. and they he calls her his emotions doctor, which oh, I love. that's gorgeous. And she works a lot with him with how he speaks to himself because he's mm-hmm. got a very critical inner voice and anything 
that I, th- I think it's part of his um, autism too, doesn't take a joke. So mm-hmm. like I'm very, <laughs> very jovial and can st- take a stab, but I don't mean yeah. it, but he will take it to heart. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's the way he speaks to himself. And anyway, I have, a, um, I use a Voxer voice messaging app for my business. Mm-hmm. And the other day someone left me a, a message and most of the time I can listen to them in front of the kids and it's not a big deal. Or, or I don't actually, that I usually have my headphones, but I couldn't find them. Anyway, whatever mm-hmm. happened, I press play. And the person is like, oh, I'm such a dick. Like the, the message, you know, yeah. and he was like, why would they talk to them about themselves like that? Yeah. And I was like, see, we all do. We all have our ways that I'm not good enough or, you yeah. know, this is wrong or I'm bad. Mm-hmm. And then it's catching that. And, you know, so it was actually such a great learning experience. And then I told mm. the person about it. And they're like, I've always wanted to be the reason somebody need to see a therapist. Wow. <laughs> we had a laugh about it. But it was just kind of like our our inner talk. It's like, you know, and distinguishing, like, I I made a bad decision, not Mm. I'm a bad person. Yeah. The the thing of the message was that was supposed to message me like two weeks ago and they hadn't said, I'm such a dick, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, life happens, I get it. But it was like, you know, I did a dick move or I this, not I am. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a really important thing, that self-talk, because I don't know, we we tend to beat ourselves up so much and talk to ourselves the way that we'd never speak to anybody else. You know, we're so, so harsh and horrible to ourselves a lot of the time. Yeah. And then who wants to hang out with somebody like that? And then we're stuck Mm. with ourselves all the time. So no wonder we end up in, you know, behaviours that don't serve us because at least Mm. gives us a break or numbs it out for a short period of time. Yeah, that's so true. My website is suzannekolberg.com, which you'll probably spell in the show notes because it's an interesting, I don't think I've ever had anybody get Kohlberg right. I get anything from Kohlberg to Goldberg. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's about to be updated. I don't know when this show will land. So if you guys come across it, it's not quite yet. Just put your email in there and I'll let you know. I've been rebranding. It's been such a a, a process. I I, I tend to really... uh, significantly underestimate the amount of time things will take <laughs> so it's the person who works long-term on goals but anywho um oh. and it's got all about my program on there it has mm-hmm. the first two chapters of my book if you do sign up for the first two chapters of my book it doesn't automatically add you to my list it's one of my pet peeves when I can never get away from someone because I just wanted a freebie so it literally is just the um two chapters I send two emails and um the podcast I've been on if you want to listen to me anywhere else and all that kind of thing but my program, um, it's it's 10 weeks. It's called Why Wait, as in what are you waiting for? And it's for people who are overdoers, or over-consumers to kind of you know overcome our inner resistances and our all or nothing mindset 
and take small sustainable changes. And it runs for 10 weeks at a time. If you do it once, then you're an alumni and you get a significantly discount if you want to come back. Some people are my lifers. We come back every round. Some people drop in once a year. You're always welcome. Mm -hmm. And it's about showing up as you actually are. There's none Mm. of this kind of pretense or whatever you can wear your pajamas I really don't mind <laughs> yeah yeah um it's yep. just kind of like what what's actually going on mm. and a space to be seen and heard and witnessed and then you know work through it if you want to or yep. just be seen because so many of us we don't have a place where we can say what really happened we have mm. like the highlight role which is Facebook or Instagram and yep. um it's just yeah about breaking these really big goals down into small ones Mm-hmm. and um and starting to and celebrating the things we celebrate in why wait you'd be humiliated to say anywhere else because it's just so small but it's like yeah. i'm so excited i walked to my mailbox it's yeah. like go you yeah but then that's that compounds so that's playing warm-up with the universe and then that building excitement of others mm-hmm. rather than just kind of ho-hum I've missed my work like that so mm. it's about learning to witness the times that we're in struggle and struggle of others not wallow in them. Mm, that's very important isn't it like you said before about you know we can choose to suffer or not yeah, yeah. that's, the that's pain, a pretty powerful pain is thing. inevitable stuff stuff comes up like it's yeah. it's interesting every round it's finishing now but towards the end we say like you know I have a list of things how many of these come up that you weren't expecting mm. and because so often people will be like I thought this would be the time I thought this would be the thing and it was like somebody's passed away somebody had COVID somebody's moved somebody's lost a job like all these stressor indicators mm. and then we're like beating ourselves up and it's like still in the room it's like that counts <laughs> yeah exactly absolutely like that deserves acknowledgement and celebration 100 <laughs> percent, yes because yeah. i think as a society as this capitalism come up again but it's like you have to meet some incredible goal some massive thing and then you're worthy of being celebrated yes you know, and like every quarter has got to be better than the last quarter and that's yeah. the thing too like because a lot of people do come back round after round for my program mm-hmm. i'm like this round might not have been a growth round so i taught i, I teach it in seasons mm-hmm. so we start in an artificial spring because obviously a we're from all over the world so some of us it is spring and some of us isn't yep. but also it's the seeds it's the planting it's the initiation mm. a lot of us especially yo-yo dieters we're really good at spring <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be the thing oh yeah and yeah. then we move into the summer which is the persistent and consistent action a lot of yo-yo dieters are all or nothing people we're terrible at summer (laughs) this is where we go away then we go into the autumn or fall depending on where you are in the globe which is the harvest of what have we done this round and then the winter a lot of people are really good at winter so spring Mm -hmm. winter spring winter spring winter and it's like the break either between rounds or you know a longer break the time for rejuvenation and because we need to prune in order to grow and Mm. in a capitalist linear society we fear winter because it's the end. Like then it's mm. over. Yeah. Whereas in a cyclical natural rhythm, after every winter comes the next spring. Yeah. And I think yeah. with, with the power of the program and the people who are coming back, you know, you can see like some, it is disappointing. Like sometimes you have a round where everything's happening and you're making so much progress mm-hmm. and other rounds you feel like you just keep your head above water. And yeah. as the facility, yeah. yeah facilitator we'll get it out because mm. i teach the program live every time none of it's pre-recorded mm-hmm. um it's like what, what's going on for me shapes it as well as what's going on for the people in the container mm-hmm. and i think there's some power in that rather than us just pretending that everything's hunky-dory all the time oh yeah absolutely i was just talking, this this whole issue of of being transparent and honest and sharing when things are going bad this is a thing that 
I feel like there's a movement happening, you know, and you talked about the socials where everyone just puts their highlight reel and people like, you know, people that are capable of it, I guess, are able to share when things aren't going well. And then other people see that and go, oh, that makes it okay for me to say that this is normal, you know. It, yes. it normalises life. <laughs> and I think the big work of like my life's work or my passion is, you know, teaching people and modelling how to sit with people when things aren't go well. Like mm-hmm. uh, the first time someone told me I was a space holder, I was like, what is it? It's like a space blanket. I was thinking about the hospital, <laughs> the bear <laughs> hugger thing. But it's like we aren't taught how to sit with people in their discomfort. We're mm-hmm. either taught to fix it, which is a very masculine thing. What can I do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you tried? Have you tried keto? Have you tried paleo? Have you tried, which is mm. like really frustrating or we're told to diminish it. It's not that bad. Mm. It's not that bad. Other people have it worse. Mm. Or that, that... Actually sit with someone who's having a hard time and just listen. Yeah. It's the most powerful thing or normalize. Like, of course this happens. It happens to everyone. I think, you know, yeah. the inner talk thing with my son, like him explaining to him and, and normalizing, we do all speak to ourselves in ways, you know, but it's like having tools or things or just noticing it, the power of noticing rather mm-hmm. than eating. Like, cause that, that for me, that's been the hardest thing becoming a, a mother when my kids are struggling, I just want to throw food at them. Cause that's mm-hmm. what was done to me when I was a kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> same, same. It's like food and alcohol with the, the, the common threads through every situation, you know? Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? But yeah, that um, I'm noticing a lot of, posts lately about toxic positivity about calling out that behavior to say oh well at least you you should be grateful of this and blah blah and just that diminishes the actual problem or the issue just skirts over it by making you feel happy like you know and you complain about your kids oh well you you know you should be glad that you can have children it's like that's not a helpful thing to say no it actually I think that that toxic positivity really increases mental struggles and depression anxiety because you don't have anyone to speak to Mm, um and people think that that being helpful but it's like struggle isn't a competition and then who do you turn to because the thing is like I was very fortunate that I didn't have any struggle conceiving and it's like oh I can't talk about that because other people do but there's other Mm. things that I had struggle with that other people don't and it's not like a tit for tat thing like oh well I can't you know it's just kind of like that sucks Mm -hmm. and um or, or that's awesome because yeah and sometimes when you get what you want like we were talking way back at the beginning if this then that so mm-hmm. you were saying you know, once this yeah. sometimes once you achieve the thing it's not what you thought and then you can't like so I dropped 78 kilograms so like an entire person off my body yeah. the number of people who tell me how I must feel you must be confident you must be this you must be this and it's like honestly it was hard because I, mm. I didn't have an identity like this and people didn't recognize me and I didn't recognize myself and whatever. Nobody wants to hear that. They just want mm. to, life's perfect and you're confident. That's it. Yeah. That's the headline, <laughs> isn't it? That's, that's yes. what people click on on the internet. They don't click on woman loses 78 kilos and doesn't feel the, this way or, you know, like it's, that's not, that's not what society's built to seek out you don't burst the bubble and it's like I think we should be bursting more bubbles and not Mm -hmm. so it's not saying you don't do the thing it's just so we don't set ourselves up I think that's the reason so many of us want to avoid being disappointed so we kind of live our life preemptively disappointed but then there's other things like there's always going to be new problems like once you Mm -hmm. reach this goal there's going to be another goal so it's focusing on how much you've gained and how far you've come but realizing there's always going to be a gap yeah yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? 
I feel like we could talk forever about this. <laughs> well, it's, it's just really, it's so really often really not spoken bad. of because it's yes. kind of, you know, like I remember when I first started coaching, I coached for an organization. They wouldn't put me on their website because I wouldn't have my makeup done. Like I'm always oh. like, you know, mum bun. This is how I am. This mm-hmm. is who I am. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, well, nobody wants to see that. They want to see, you know, the after, like, you know, the the fancy clothes and the makeup and the hair. It's like, but I don't get around like that. Like for me, yeah. it's funny if I see someone all done up and then I get on a call with them and, you know, it's like, no, <laughs> this is it. And it was interesting. My first iteration of my website, it was Sue's professional. Like I didn't do full makeup or whatever, but I wore like nicer clothes and I had my hair straightened, but I don't look like that. So this part of my website, I've showed my current clients. And like, what we love is you've got the ridiculous t-shirts and you haven't done your hair. <laughs> like yeah because that's how I am so and I think we think oh I can't go out like that or I can't be seen like that and we kind of almost living two lives Mm -hmm. and it's like no no this this is how I am but and then there's also with the the kids like teaching them when it's appropriate to say certain things like Mm -hmm. I'm very much a sweary fairy I will own that (laughs) and in the house I don't mind so much if my kids do a little bit but in public never Mm -hmm. and it's funny my book's called the beginning is shit and my (laughs) son will either say the beginning is bad word (laughs) or the beginning is (laughs) he he knows and I just think it's kind of like there's so much awareness there mm-hmm. um and I remember at the therapy session thing we were playing we play cards at the end and I get to come in because we're teaching him about turn taking and whatever mm-hmm. and um we've got this game called uno flip it oh so have yeah you we seen it that. the yeah. flip it one yeah, yeah. and yeah. anyway sometimes at home I'll say let's flip this bitch <laughs> and and um Casimir says the other day to the therapist my mummy says, let's flip this bad word that starts with a B. Oh, <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, mentioned. that's how we are. But I, love that. I just think there's something about the realness as opposed mm-hmm. to like, I know growing up, it was like, this is who we are. Like when we go to church, my family's religious um, or when we go here and this is who we are at home. And I just didn't understand that. Mm. Whereas with my kids, I explain, you know, there are things that are allowable in the house um words and Mm. this but not to be different but to just be Mm. mindful of others yeah that's it isn't it that respectful of others and other people's boundaries I suppose and um yeah no that's good I do love playing that flip but sometimes I get confused though because some of the things aren't really clear if it means it's going to flip. Well, there's some, there's one, oh, it took me a while to work out. Around the world meant. one instead yes. of the skip. And yeah, then there's the that plus one. five. That thing's yep. nasty because we yeah. make it compound. So like there's four <laughs> of us. One time recently I had to pick up 25 cards. Oh, I was like, oh my goodness. I feel like I've got the quarter of the deck here. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, it is a good game. I really like that one. Um, all right. Well, have you got anything else you'd like to share sort of finishing up? Any sort of final thoughts that you'd like to tell everyone yes for people it's kind of you can listen to a podcast or or read a book or whatever and separate yourself into you know me and them or I'm different because or or things like that and I encourage anybody who's listening if that's the case for you to look at how we're the same because I think mm-hmm. with the hotter and colder game of the universe, when we look at, well, she has two kids and I have four. Well, she lives here and I live there. We are, we're, we're um, making the distance greater. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like when we look for, you know, how we're similar, like, oh, wow, she was on her first diet at four. I went on mine at eight. Or, you know, she lost and regained like hundreds of kilos. I've done that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
why not me is what I'd be encouraging anybody listening to think because we can think why me or all the reasons I couldn't do this but why not you and I, I just I really hope that 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 really lands or resonates with someone because I know for me for years I'd be listening and reading and like I was obsessed with before and after stories mm-hmm. um, when I was losing weight hence why I, was, I never found one like mine they were always mm. before my life was terrible after my life is magical and it was kind of like this Disney yeah. princess story yeah and I was like Whereas I felt more like the the Disney movie that had multiple sequels. <laughs> you know, something bad yeah. happened again, next book. And it's just yeah. kind of like, you know, this is life. And then also too, even within people being honest and transparent, there's the selectivity about, about what we share. Because mm. sometimes too, people are like, oh, well, despite them having all this going on, you know, they've still had it or they've still gotten there. We, we all have our, our dark moments or the moments that, you know, we wouldn't share. Mm. And it's not that they disappear. It's that we know how to move through them um, or they go through them faster. Like I still go and slam mm. an entire pack of Tim Tams. Mm. Um, I'm not proud of it, but less often or less amount, or I catch myself and go, is this really solving it? No. Yeah. Exactly. So those yeah. moments of awareness, it's, it reminds me of that. There's this model about how we learn and there's like unconscious um whatever like you don't know that you don't know so like my Mm. son he didn't know he didn't know how to drive a car because it wasn't his frame of reference yeah and then there was conscious not knowing so like my daughter's like I don't know how to drive a car and I want to so sometimes when we go from yeah unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence so when you first start making these changes it's often harder because you're aware Mm-hmm. And that's when we can stop and quit and start and stop and whatever. But when you get through that, then you get to the conscious competence, but you have to think about it mm-hmm. until you get to the unconscious competence where you just do it. Yeah. So like yeah. recently I watched the, I, the other reason I love Facebook memories is that it comes back up my first Facebook live. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so bad. Oh. So often people take that stuff down. I leave it there. Cause I watch yeah. it and I'm like, how far I've come. Yeah. Like I literally breathed into a paper bag for nearly an hour beforehand. Oh. I couldn't go on without my own. So I had one of my kids in it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, I had the dot points on the screen and one of my yeah. friends watched it. It's like, you sound like you've got a pole up your ass, but you know, it gets better. Your best gets to get better, but you've yeah. got to start. So yeah, don't exactly. compare where exactly. you are to where someone else is. Oh yeah. That's a, just that's that a very step. good point. Absolutely, because we're all in different little ways in along the journey, you know. We're different seasons. Nobody's yeah. ahead of you. You're not behind. You're just in a different season. Yeah. No, that, I love that analogy. That's really, really cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Suzanne. Thank it's you so much for having lovely, me. It's been such a lovely chat, and it's a pleasure to meet you. And um, thank you for doing the work you're doing and sharing what your experiences. And I'm sure it's helping. it's helping people, and it will continue to do so. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for your company today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following or subscribing to the podcast, or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.